danger here. Save! The goalkeeper's luck was in. Got to that well. Keeping hold of the ball here. Still got the ball. Fought well to win it back there. If he can control midfield. All right, all right. Welcome back. Canon column episode numero dos. And I'm going to continue... You know, saying these uh, episode numbers in Spanish just just because it sounds cool until it doesn't anymore. But uh, this is Artie again. I'm with my fellow gooner and great friend Kyle. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Beautiful Tuesday night here in Southern California. Excited to get into it. Touch on uh, last game, some transfer news, and then you know, looking forward to the couple fixtures that we have upcoming this week. Yeah, man, it's a busy time of the season. A lot of stuff happening and transfer windows open. So, God, my, my Twitter is just 10 rumors every morning I wake up and it's just trying to figure out, you know, what the fuck is true. And you know what Twitter's done recently is they're starting to put shit that I'm not even following. So, like, they'll be like Arsenal mentioned and someone tweeting. I'm like, I don't follow this guy. So now it's just added to that. And I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at. Everything I read, I'm just like, I get excited about or and... uh yeah, it's 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 crazy out there right now. Um, the algorithms I, will get to you. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Shit. Uh, okay. Well, let me quickly touch up on the on the Nottingham game. Um, it was uh, it's funny. I was telling you before we before we went live here that uh, I was actually taking notes on it. And it's funny. I'm looking at my notes right now, and I stopped at about 28 minutes because I have parentheses my last note there, and I kind of just gave up because. I saw what was happening. So, you know, it's a couple of things that were blatantly obvious. And again, from the first 25 minutes after this, none of these changes. I mean, we missed Partey so much. And and I saw it right away. And I remember minute 10, I was looking at it. I'm like, where the fuck is Sambi? I'm like, he hasn't touched the ball. No joke. He did not touch the ball the first 10 minutes. I'm staring. I'm like, where the fuck is this guy? Very slow, passive, trying to come up to the center backs to get the ball. If he's covered, wasn't really trying to make another um, kind of channel to get the ball in. It was terrible. And um, Forrest set up a very low block, and we couldn't get out of our cor- uh, center back's feet. And their tactics were so easy. They basically said, you can give it to your fullbacks, and you can keep giving it back to your center back. We're not going to let you play in the middle of the field, and we're going to man mark Gabby and Saka on the sides. I mean, I don't know shit tactically uh, about football, but it, it was so obvious to me what was happening, and we kept playing into the trap. I mean, all fucking game. All fucking game, it would go from holding to tyranny, uh, tyranny back to uh, holding, and they wouldn't even try to penetrate. So I don't know, man. We've been there before, and it's unfortunately all too familiar. Um, when we're not clicking there, you just know it right away. And I just felt it after just a quarter of an hour. And um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think it just speaks to how thin the depth is on this squad, right? I mean, we can't even get out of an FA Cup tie against a team that should be able to get through the third round of the FA Cup fairly easily. But when you have, you know, you have to start an 18-year-old and a 21-year-old in the midfield who haven't gotten any minutes this season at all, thankfully, um, because, you know, it looks like we can't really afford to rotate whatsoever. You know, that these are the kind of performances that you're going to get. Um, right back is is a scary position now. Nuno Tavares got mm-hmm. uh, subbed off 34, 38 minutes into the game. 
yeah. after giving the ball away mm-hmm. nine times. Like that's unheard of. It was terrible. And I mean, yeah. seems like Arteta was it was a valid sub, but you know he's mm-hmm. he's just he's basically throwing players out there saying I need I need replacements here. I need you guys to spend money. You know everything that I've seen on Twitter and the internet is like, hey, Arsenal spent a lot of money this summer. Well, I mean, of of, of course we have. Like everyone was dead wood. You can't say any of the outgoing players that have left weren't valid. And this squad has needed a revamp for five, ten years now. And ten years for sure. I know we're trying. I know we're trying to do it in a couple windows here, but it's just so glaringly obvious. And I think that fixture alone right there showed a lot of um the spots that we need to replace and uh, it was just glaringly obvious yeah we need to be more ruthless too with some of the guys that like are not good enough right cedric is not good enough holding is just not good enough um and and they're affecting us man i mean we can't we can't be depending so much on gabriel and tommy that if they go out it fucks us that hard uh there's a couple times that Saka was cussing out cedric he couldn't get the ball to him and so you know the good news is is the management and and the executive executives are understanding the task at hand and they're being more ruthless now we're not sitting on players and um you know I think that L and Afghan coming up actually might be a blessing in disguise because uh, I, I think we're going to be able to land a few players. And, and this is a great uh, pivot point to really f- talk about transfers. And I think this is it. I think Arteta is noticing that this is might be – no, not might be. I think this is his most important window to date. And it sucks that it's in January. I get it. But we're now in, in a position to actually get into Champions League. Um, and it's fate is kind of in our hands. So I really think they understand that pressure. So I think the I think Kroenke for the first time in his fucking life for us is opening up his pockets. Um, which let me quickly add that it's frustrating as fuck that for the first, I don't know, decade of his tenure here, he had everything closed up and was just hoping to fucking for his business to succeed without investing a goddamn dime in it. And he obviously didn't see worked out and with pressure of the entire club looking to boycott and finally got to him. Um, but now they're and looking think, to spend. So, And I think, you know, he went to Josh and said, Hey, you know, you know, this sport better than I do. I trust you to make whatever decisions that um, you think are fit for the club. And I think he's actually been a really good advocate for the club. He's uh, he's overseas a little bit more at the games. He's become more of a presence and um, I just think it's a net positive that Stan has somewhat been removed from the situation that he's, you know, put his full trust into Josh to run the club. And I, I think uh, Mikel knows that, Edu knows that, and I think the hierarchy is really at a, a good point right now where it just hasn't been healthy in the past. No, it really hasn't. All right, um, I want to talk about the the man in the headlines first, and then you had a few other targets that I honestly have not been able to look at too much, so we can touch on them. But um, I'm going to ha- fall into the hype here, um, and I'm going to say Dusan uh, Vlavic, and I hope I'm not butchering that. I probably did, but um, I really like him, man, and and there's a lot of reasons. Um, you know, first off, uh, he's 6'2". He's about 170 pounds, and he's lefty, and he's only 21 years old. I mean, to get a forward with a big stature like that, 
it always gets me excited in, a, in the Premier League because you're dealing with absolute ogres on center backs. You're going away to Brighton and you're playing the Burnleys. This is where like you kind of need a bigger build. So I, that gets me really excited just from his build alone. He's had 16 goals in the last 19 matches, uh, 21 goals last year. Important to note it's in Syria, of course. Um, but, you know, from what I've seen so far, he does amazing turns with his back to the goal. And that's what makes me think Arteta wants him so much because of Laka uh, been so good at that. Um, he's athletic as fuck, bro. Like, wait till you see him a little bit more. He's super athletic. Clinical finisher. He has an eye for a goal. So he's picking up any loose balls and he's not sending it to the 80th row like Abba. Um, and he has that flair ability. You know, he. I feel like he has the Arsenal DNA. He has great touches. Um, and again, it's just, uh, I think... The fact that he's so good with his back to the ball and Arteta knows that he can be a target man really, really fits into his system. So I think that's why everyone's getting excited about it. It's not just because he's a hot commodity because he's he has been, but um, I think his specific style of play really fits as well. So, you know, I, I don't want to get into much as if it's going to happen. It's not. There, there are 300 journalists that, are, that will let us know and uh, to people on Twitter that will retweet them. So I don't want to waste time with that. But I, I think if we can work it out, um, it, it can be uh, he can be amazing for us. And, and you can also touch it. You were telling me something about the price and, and how that was bothering you. So what do you think about him? And I'd love to hear about the other two uh, forwards that you that you kind of like more. Everything that I've heard about Vlahovic has been um, either really, really great or or really, really not so great. It's it's problems with the agent. Um, you know, he, he's somewhat of a a. a Penaldo, I'll use that reference. You know, he scores a lot from the penalty spot, which mm-hmm. I think we kind of need someone who can score score from the penalty spot. Yeah, we dude, missed four this Ks way. this year, which is absurd. Yeah. So, you know, those those PKs turn into points, right? If we if we go to the end of the season and top four is uh we're within, you know, a point or two of top four and we look back and we say, oh, wow, we could have made one or two more penalties, and that was the difference, then you might want to get somebody in. What I want to touch on is just um, obviously the price, right? I think I saw somewhere north of $150 million if you factor in transfer fee and uh, wages. So that seems like a lot, right? What I hope the club is looking at is saying, okay, we have a need at a midfielder and we have a need at forward. If we're willing to shell out 150 million, can we cut that in half and fill two spots rather than one? Which I hope that there is some type of voice in the room that's saying that that's probably a better idea. But you know, we have no idea what the finances look like. Another thing that I want to touch on is we have to get to these guys before um, they're moving to Man City, before they're moving to Barca, before they're moving to Real Madrid. So I think. Uh, getting to players who are under 24 or under 26, that's when you get that big contract that really uh, propels your life forward. Um, it's, it's really important. So um, I think the timing is perfect right now. Um, we re- there's, a, there's a massive need for it. And um, I hope the club is able to get something across the line in January. So, you know, that's, that's my hope. And, and it seems like the rumors are, are, 
really, really hot right now. So, you know, fingers crossed that we can get something done. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then uh, you had two other guys that, that you liked. Um, you want to touch on them really quick? Sure, yeah. So um, another really interesting name that I've heard pop up all over the internet is uh, Jonathan David, uh, Canadian national, plays uh, his club football at Lille in uh, Liga 1. So he is um, 21 as well, which is um, the profile that you know we should be looking at right now. Um, I think Canada is actually one of the uh, brighter spots that is really starting to um, profile well internationally. They're doing incredibly well in World Cup qualifying right now. Alfonso Davies is a star at Bayern. Um, they're really starting to um, shell out some talent up in Canada, which is just awesome to see. Um, he's a lefty as well. And everything that I've heard is um, he's a lot of people's number one target. Now, it seems like it's going to be more of a summer move rather than a January move, uh, which is unfortunate to hear. But uh, striker for me, I think we can get by to the end of the season without a striker. Midfield is really, really dangerous. Uh, we're going into two fixtures right now with basically one healthy body in the midfield, and that's Shaka. That just screams mm -hmm. you know, dangerous to me, and, and it really feels like uh, we're, we're asking for trouble. So I hope the club recognize that, and, and I hope that's going into their thinking as well. And then another name that I've heard uh, pop up a lot is Al Alexander uh, Isek. Uh, he plays his uh, club ball over at Real Sociedad in La Liga, 21 years old, or 22 years old, sorry, Swedish international. Um, again, the profile that we're looking for, um, definitely somebody that we should be in for right now. And, you know, we really need to be getting these guys before they make their, their, their big move. Like I said earlier, we have to get in before City. We have to get in before United because those are just clubs that have more money. They're bigger clubs than us if we want to be honest. So we need to get them in. Our project is probably the most exciting project in the world as a youth player, if, if we're being honest. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, if I was a if I was a young striker, a young player right now, and I saw what Arsenal was building, I would want to be I would want to be a part of that. It just seems really exciting. So I hope these players are looking uh, are, are looking around and, and seeing that. It seems like that's the case. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I think you bring up a great point in terms of. Is it really a necessity, especially compared to the midfield position? And I don't know. I, I haven't thought about it, but because since you brought it up, like I guess you're right. Like if if it means that we get two CMs or even one really good CM, and 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 you know, to get that CM, it means we have to pass on a forward. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see us making it because if Laka stays healthy for the most part, I think we should be fine. Um, you know, I, I will say with Eddie. Um, I, I did think, I'll be honest, that the hate on him after the Nottingham game was kind of cruel because he, the last like five, six games he's played for us, he scored and, and he just came off a hat trick. And of course he had a bad game, but like, it's, and I don't know what this is about. Maybe everyone's just pissed, uh, pissed off that they got exited, but they're like, if, you know, this is proof that like, we need a forward today. And I'm like, I get it. I, like I'm with it. Right. But I, I'm like, I'm, it's kind of unfair to Eddie. You know, if we had to, can we survive till summer basically with Laka and Eddie? I think we can. I think we can. 
But can we survive without a midfielder? I don't know if I can confidently say we can. I don't think we can. The, and the, yeah, go ahead. The reason why I think we can survive until the end of the season without a striker is um, just the goals that we're getting. Uh, uh, you know, the goals and the assists that we're getting from everyone, right? Saka's chipping in, Martinelli's chipping in, ESR, Odegaard. Of course, I would. I want Laka scoring 20 goals. We all want a 20, mm-hmm. 20 goal striker, but we don't really need it right now. If that means that we can strengthen in a part of the park that is just a glaring weakness, let's do it. And then let's go really hard for one of these guys in the summer where – um, clubs are more, you know, are more willing to do a deal. That's just that's just a case. January yeah. is a tough window to get something done because you still have four months of the season where teams are trying to win a league title, trying to get the Champions League, so on and so forth. And I'll tell you something: things are overpriced in January. You know, right now Chris Wood just went for twenty fucking million pounds, and um, I'm, you know, I, th- I think that's a great uh, purchase uh, for Newcastle. Shout out to our homie Quinn. Uh, but I, I, it just shows that January, you just, unfortunately, you just got to pay up. It's like, you know, um, buying a ticket last second, you just, you got to pay up for it. So, um, yeah, you know, with midfield, I'm with you, you know, and you made me think a lot about it since saying that I think, you know, if we don't get the forward, I don't think it's the end of the world, but, um, I want to talk about a few midfielders that have been, you know, in the rumors, but, um, this, this one kid, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, he's my favorite. And I want him high risk, high risk for sure, high risk. Uh, but he's, I think he, he's high reward. Uh, Danilo from Palomares, um, is a defensive midfielder, CM, 22 years old, also lefty. Um, and, and I want to pause there really quick. That's important to me because I'm, I'm looking for someone to kind of take over Shaka's role, um, you know, beyond the obvious reasons that we don't see him as kind of our long-term CM for his, um, you know, his red cards and, and just his limited uh, speed and just his overall limitations that he provides, especially in a league like premier league and his lack of lateral movement and lack of athleticism. Um, I think it's safe to say we're all kind of looking for who's going to eventually kind of be the man to take over his spot. I think this guy can be it. And um, I watched uh, uh, a good chunk of of his play. And man, I was pretty impressed because this guy for a midfielder has like crazy feet. Um, He was doing step overs like he was a goddamn winger. He's lanky. Um, His vision is amazing. He likes the through ball a lot um and he's very versatile man like i swear to god i can see him playing as a winger he was his feet are so swifty and i think that's obviously because of his uh, brazilian roots and um you know i think it's it's something that would fit perfectly with us it's the arsenal type player he's kind of an anomaly shouldn't really be a midfielder but he is and can you kind of revolutionize that position for us and when i compare him to shaka oh i just get excited Again, you know, it's important to take it with a grain of salt because he's coming from uh, another continent, right? It's impossible to compare the style of play. He's so young. You know, how is he going to adapt? Can he flop? 100% he can flop, right? He can be nothing like what I just described. But it gets me excited. Um, and, and I think if we get two midfielders, I would like him to be one of it. If you tell me already if he was the only midfielder we would get in January, would you want him? 
I don't know. That that's a little tougher because I know he's going to need time to develop and and get into it. So because of that, um there's two guys that I think if I was a do right now that I would I would try to be getting in in addition to to Danilo. I would like both of them, right? One for a long-term project and get it just so we have the depth. We don't have to fucking worry, you know, and if two people get injured, then we can put in Danilo, right? If not, we'll keep developing him. But one is Genie. I think Genie is shows our intent if we get someone like him you know that that we're serious that we don't give a fuck if it costs so much or his age is not right we're kind of we're trying to win now win meaning get in the champions league um so i like him if we can get him here and it'll be kind of that statement kind of transfer that you're like oh shit like these guys are not kind of fucking around and uh the second guy is bruno uh guimaras he plays in liga un for leon um he was more of a, a mature midfielder more uh, look like a classical midfielder he still had great feet and that's again probably because he's brazilian um his vision is there um you know uh, not too much of an anomaly like danilo but i think he's solid for an immediate impact um he's seems like he has great patience solid tackler and and i really like that his defensive aspect to it and uh again because of those and his physical nature of it he's very physical i think he may be suited better um for the Premier League. So again, if if we're getting only one, I would probably want rather Genie or Bruno, but I would probably be in Edu's ear saying, hey, just get Danilo too. Get one of those and then attach it to Danilo because he'll be cheaper for the most part. Um, and if we do those two, for example, we get a Genie and we get Danilo and we don't get a forward. I don't know, man, I'm kind of down. I, 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 I'm down. I, I won't be too pissed off from the window that we didn't get a forward. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think what you just hit on is is perfect. Um, if we can get two in the middle of the park, I think that would be a big win this window. Um, we have a need for bodies. We're still developing Sambi. Um, I worry that if we only get the younger of the two, right, the 20-year-old, then we're back to we have a 21-year-old, we have a 20-year-old in the middle of the park. We're playing inexperienced players again. So I think the club will notice that. And I think uh, Bruno will be the, the main target in the middle of the park. He's 24, um, has a lot more experience and um, is someone that can, you know, take over for Shaka for the next, you know, three to four years um, at, and really lead the midfield forward along with Thomas Partey, who's away from the club right now. So um, I really hope that the club, you know, takes experience and in, into their decision making, which I think they will, and I, I hope that that's kind of the the way that they go. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that that about wraps it up for transfers that I want to talk about. I wanted to ask you one thing though, and this is just something I've thought about. I don't see it's uh, spoken about too much. Obviously, Edu is not only Brazilian, but he was uh, before he came here. He was Brazil's basically uh, executive there, um, and. You know, it's not surprising that we're seeing so many Brazilians kind of come through the door. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you, do you think ultimately, like, hey, if this guy's going to be a link to us getting more Brazilians, it's going to make it better? Or do you think it's, in a way, it limits us? Because it seems like this guy's pull is only through South America and the Brazilians. Like, come on, man, 90% of the people we've gotten or have had rumors with have been Brazilian. I don't think it's a, it's a surprise. So... I don't know. It's I just I haven't seen anyone speak about it. So I was curious what your thoughts are on that. 
That's a great question. Um, if you asked me this back in the mid and early nineties, I would say this is incredible. Like, you know, that was when Brazil was at the tip, tip top of world football, when they were winning world cups, when they were just dominant nowadays, uh, you know, France, Germany, Spain, more of the European, uh, nations are dominating world football. That's where you're seeing, uh, the Mbappe's Holland's, you know, those, those next up players are coming from Europe. So I think it does hurt us a little bit. Um, if that's, you know, where he's pulling a lot of the talent from, uh, you do make a good point, right? William, David Luiz, uh, Gabriel Martinelli, Bruno, you know, a lot of these midfielders that we're linked with right now. Gabriel are all too, Brazilian. which is Gabriel, which, is great. which it, yeah. great player, love him. But um, I think it could end up hurting us a little bit. Um, but I, I think, uh, as Edu gets a little bit more tenured and, and you know builds that Rolodex of contacts in uh, or contacts in Europe, uh, he'll start to have a little bit more pull across um, uh, European football. So it doesn't really worry me in the long run. Maybe in the short run, it does worry me a little bit. But um, I think we're on the right track. I think our vision is is perfect. We know who we are as a club. We know who we're who we are recruiting, and um, that's what gets me the most excited. Yeah, no, I'm with you right there. All right, we got Liverpool coming up in two days. A um, little bit of controversy there with with the false positives coming out. Um, and I, I, you know, I gotta say, man, it's shady as fuck. It's it's super shady what happened. And um, I guess I can understand, you know, from their perspective, it, you want to play your strongest team. So if you can find a route to do it. And we've seen from some of these coaches from a competitive standpoint, really nothing stops them. Um, and, you know, it, it takes me back to the Bielsa uh, getting accused of, of the video and the analysis of doing it. I think people underestimate the distance uh, managers will go to win. Um, even when you least expect it, even when it's like, oh, you're playing at a EFL, live, will you really care? I don't know. To me, it seemed like they did. And it seemed like they didn't want to get out of it. And it seems like they're trying to like, yeah, you know what? We want to have our strongest team possible. Let's try to get a week off and extend it. Uh, but I will say the um, EFL decided not to investigate them, even though a, a handful of teams of clubs uh, requested uh, for it to get investigated. But what are your, what are your thoughts on that whole debacle? I, I think one Klopp is or was scared of our form at that time. You know, he, he, he saw the game on, on New Year's against City. He saw how, you know, the team looked and he was looking for any angle to uh, postpone the game. And also another thing is Liverpool's not winning the league this year. They're probably not going to win Champions League this year. This is probably their best chance at getting hardware. So he's going as hard as possible at this Carabao Cup to to win it. So whatever advantage he can get, he's going to go after. And I just think it's quite ridiculous that false positives were were at play. If you run the numbers, it's just really statistically just can't happen. And I, I just think it's really interesting gamesmanship on their part to to get one over on us and unfortunately just keeps happening happening to arsenal the reds postponing games what are the rules around covid we had to play brentford at the start of the year with oh, know, yeah. four or five cases of covid oh my and god then that yeah. Brentford game leaks over into chelsea and then 
Chelsea and the city and, and we're, we're last in the table. It's like, I just feel like all the decision-making is so anti-Arsenal. And that's not because I support the club. It's just if you take a step back and you look at it, none of it's really been fair towards towards Arsenal at all. Mm-hmm. So, again, it goes back to consistency, right? We touched on that last episode. Can we just have consistency across all things during the games, decision-making, COVID, etc.? Yeah. No, you're spot on. And uh, shout-out to our friend Gordy, Jordan Gorman, right here. We're coming for your neck, boy. We're coming. Uh, so we we play them on Thursday. I think we're gonna put a strong lineup. I hope they put a strong lineup. Um, and I'm assuming they will. Um, should be good. I mean, probably not gonna have the possession. Um, hopefully, you know, we can catch them on a counter here and there. Or, I don't know, man. Like, I hate to say this because I hate jinxing us because we could have a performance like Nottingham. Uh, but I really hope we come out like we did versus City. You know, don't be on our heels. Hit the, you know. Pedal to the metal, uh, you know, right away, and and just punch them in the face, and and make them sit back and be like, "What the fuck's going on?" Um, so I'm excited for that. And then we have Tottenham coming up over the weekend. I was just telling you before we uh, went live again that I I think we we should play both of them almost our strongest lineups. I don't think we need to rest. They're pretty young, and we don't have Europe, so we can take a week off after you know this weekend. So. I think there's no reason for him to rotate. And honestly, if he does rotate uh, for Liverpool and I see some nerdy players out there, I'm going to get pissed. Um, so, yeah, what do you think? I, If he does have to rotate and that does go into the decision-making, I'd rather rotate for Liverpool as opposed to Tottenham. Um, that Tottenham game is the game of the season. Uh, it's a true six-pointer. They still have games in hand on us. Um, and if, you know, for whatever reason, Arsenal ends up losing that game, it's not looking really good for top four. It's They have the green light for top four. Um, so I, I just I hope we go really hard for that game. Uh, one piece of news that I saw floating out there is um, Hyun Min's son is actually going to probably miss the North London Derby, which is huge. He's... Him and Harry Kane have just ran wild on us over the last, uh, you know, four or five years. And it seems like every single North London derby they're scoring. So that at least, you know, allevi- alleviates a little stress uh, for me. It seems like we can just mark Harry Kane, totally take him out of the game. The rest of their players don't really scare me. They're just going to sit back and try to counter, uh, which is totally fine. Um, what are your thoughts on on the North London derby that's coming up? We need to smash them. There's just no other way. This is a, a huge game for the top four. Tottenham is on a, a great streak, and, and they have a great manager behind them who's not going to slip. I think this is going to be a management battle that I'll be looking to Arteta, uh, and I'm going to see tactically how he's set up because Conte's pretty fucking good, man. And I'm just scared that though we have the talent, Conte's going to set up the team in a way that just catches Arteta off guard, and he figures out his game, and now it's we're stuck with fucking uh, Gabriel or Ben White passing to the fullbacks and back to them. And if I fucking see that first quarter of an hour, it, it won't be looking good for us. So, you know, what's great about us, I think, is we're able to tell what kind of day we're going to have from the start. We're not the type of team that turns it around, comes looking different. Like how we start is usually how we finish. That can be good or bad. Um, but 
you know, it's just the reality of where we're at. So I'll be very keen in, in the first quarter of an hour to see, you know, if we're up for it. And are we looking forward? Are we looking to penetrate? Are we looking to throw balls behind the center backs? Or are we, it's, it's Shaka back to Gabriel, back to Ramsdale, and he launches it to their center back. And it's, if it's like that, then um, I'm worried. Uh, even with no sun, um, they're, they're set up pretty well right now. And I think if we don't get all three points there, um, it's you know it might be early but i i think it'll be tough for us to kind of close in top four because it'll hurt us because that's a big game for them emotionally as well so i think it's it's three points or bust but unfortunately it's the same situation for them so for a neutral fan you got a hell of a game uh like every north and london derby but this one is is bigger than some of the most recent ones they do have chelsea in the league uh the following week so you know their fixtures do get harder after uh this week whereas if you look at arsenal's run of fixtures after the north london derby i feel like we can win every game like that we've already played city away tottenham away united away all the hard games are 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 off are off the schedule and but it just comes down to games in hand do they slip up and that's just not really a game that i want to play so i hope the team goes really hard for that north london derby and and that they know the urgency, you know, that this is what they do for a living. So um, really looking forward to that game this weekend. Yeah, yeah, no, likewise. Um, and I say because the fixture list is getting so easy, even more reason to go fucking all out for this. Like, because if you get the win on this, then it's it'll give you the confidence and you have an easy set of fixtures so we can get on a fucking scary run. Um, so, yeah, man, we're looking forward to it. All right. Uh, that wraps up. Canon column episode number two to whoever's listening. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you, homies. You guys are, you guys are true brothers out there. Um, any last words, Kyle? No, I think we hit on everything. <clears throat> we will see how the football looks uh, without some key players this week and hopefully, uh, you know, turn that FA cup performance around and, and, you know, look exciting and, and, and hopeful again. So looking forward to it. Awesome. All right. We'll see you guys all next week. Later. Peace.